When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. The whispering was getting louder. It was just little whispers, quiet and quick, little snatches of phrases. Please let the bookstore be open. I hope they have that picture book. I've been waiting for so long. Please let it be there. It's her favorite book. It's his favorite book. I just need a good nighttime novel. Please let the publisher accept my manuscript. Why were the voices talking about books all the time? I checked my phone. Maybe I turned something on by accident. Nothing was on, but there was an email from my good friend George. It read, Greetings, treasured friend. I am in deep gratitude for your assistance today. I could not have a truly relaxing day at the spa when I'm managing all the prayers. I've assigned you the prayers and petitions about books and have other friends managing the prayers about cities and countries. There isn't much to do. Just listen to the prayers and, if possible, answer a few of them and take credit when fate works out. Pacham, St. George. Ah, now it made sense. I was the patron saint of books for the next six hours. The first storyteller for this year is new to the podcast, and Shimajima is a third-generation Japanese-American born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. An award-winning elementary school library media specialist, she first discovered the power of story with her students and became a professional storyteller in 1982. She taught graduate courses in storytelling for National Lewis University and for eight served on the board of the Wild Onion Storytelling Festival in Chicago. In 2005, Anne interviewed her 91-year-old aunt about her experiences in an incarceration camp in World War II. From this, Anne developed her family story, Hidden Memory, An American Story, which she presents with photos from her family and the National Archives to tell the story of a Japanese-American community devastated by war but surviving with perseverance, determination, and incredible strength. The story she's telling for this episode is a Japanese folktale from her CD, Sakura Tales, Stories from Japan, about following good examples in the story, Table Manners. Long ago, there was a small village where the people grew rice. One year, the farmers grew so much rice, there was such a bountiful harvest that the lord of the region was pleased. He decided to reward the farmers of that village and all the surrounding villages with a great banquet, a very fancy dinner at his castle. Word of the dinner soon spread throughout the villages, and one of the farmers, Ichibe, first farmer, became nervous. He thought, I have never eaten a dinner at the castle of the Lord. I'm sure it will be very fancy. You must have special manners. I won't know how to act. I don't want to embarrass myself. He was so nervous, he talked it over with his friend, Nihei, second farmer. Nihei, he said, what do you think about this dinner at the castle of the Lord? Nihei said, 
Oh, I'm so worried about it. I haven't been able to sleep at night. Let's ask Sanbei, third farmer, what to do. They went off to see Sanbei. Sanbei said, I think we should ask for advice from Tanaka-san. Now Tanaka was the headman of the village. He said, Don't worry. I have eaten many dinners at the castle of the Lord. I will tell you exactly what to do. First, you will go into a large room. You will see long rows of low tables. You will kneel at a table. The maids come in, carrying trays of food. On your tray, you will see a bowl of soup, a bowl of rice, and smaller dishes of fish and vegetables. Now first, you must pick up your chopsticks correctly. You pick them up with your right hand, put the other end in your left hand, and take them in your right hand again. You see? Ichibei said, Why do I have to do it that way? When I'm at home, I just pick up my chopsticks. Tanaka sighed. All right, then you must eat in a certain order. First you may have a sip of soup, then a bite of rice, then you may eat from the smaller dishes of fish and vegetables, understand? Nihei said, Why is it so complicated? When I'm at home, I eat what I want in the order I want. Tanaka sighed. All right, I tell you what, at the dinner, just watch me. Do whatever I do, and you'll know you're always doing the correct thing. Well, the men agreed. This was a good plan. The night of the dinner came. All the men took good hot baths. Then they put on their underwear. Now this was a long time ago. Men back then did not wear underpants like they do now. They wore loincloths, long strips of white cloth which they wound around their waist several times. They pulled the other end through their legs and tied it into the waistband. Then they put on their nicest, cleanest kimonos. They all had nice new sandals. They were looking good. All the men went to the castle. There were a hundred farmers. No one had ever been to a dinner at the castle. They were all nervous, and they all watched Tanaka very carefully. The maids came in, carrying trays of food. Ichibei looked down at his tray. Oh, the food was so beautifully arranged. It smelled so good. Tanaka picked up his chopsticks, and Ichibei saw this. He said to himself, Oh, time for the chopsticks. He picked up his chopsticks carefully, and all the farmers picked up their chopsticks. Tanaka took his bowl of soup and took a sip. Oh, time for the soup. All the farmers took a sip of soup. Tanaka took a bite of rice. All the farmers took a bite of rice. Then Tanaka looked at the smaller dishes and saw a dish of sweet potato in a sweet and slippery sauce, his favorite. He picked up a piece of sweet potato, but before he could bring it to his mouth, it slipped and fell on the floor, patomp. And rolled across the floor, koro koro koro. Ichibei thought, hmm, now I must drop my sweet potato. He picked up his sweet potato and dropped it on the floor, patong, and it rolled across the floor, koro koro koro. All the farmers looked and nodded. They picked up their sweet potatoes and dropped them, patong, 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 and they rolled across the floor, koro koro koro. Tanaka saw this and said, no, no, don't do that, and he began to wave his hands at the farmers. The farmers looked and nodded. They began to wave their hands. Tanaka thought, Oh no, this is awful. This is horrible. It's so embarrassing. 
I must leave. I must run and hide. Where can I hide? I know. I'll hide in the storage shed. He got up and began to run towards the door, but his loincloth under his kimono became untied, and it dragged on the floor behind him as he ran. The farmers looked at this. They all stood up, untied their loincloths, and ran towards the door, their loincloths dragging on the floor behind them. That was the end of the feast. Today's fairy tale sponsor is Jack, Jack, and Jack, handyman and exterminators. Everyone has that cousin named Jack, but it turns out our cousins teamed up to bring their special skills to your rescue. Giants clomping through your forest? No problem. Beanstalks growing everywhere? They can take out seven in one blow. Worried about death? Don't be foolish, they have death in a sack. Jack has solutions for every problem and would be happy to take a bag of gold for it. Due to updated laws, Jack is no longer able to accept marriage to princesses as a form of payment. Jack, Jack, and Jack, handyman and exterminators. The podcast has a new review titled Story Story Amazing, five stars by Story Dog Liver, who says, Love, love this podcast. Please make more. Short, sweet, to the point. Your wish, Story Dog Liver, is my command. There are a bunch of new episodes and storytellers coming your way in 2019, and thank you for the review. The whispered invocations were, for the most part, manageable. Many were in other languages and some were a little louder, but for the most part, it was interesting to listen to the variety of requests. A few times fate worked out and there were prayers of gratitude, some from people who were simply expressing joy and getting to read in peace for an hour. I took a walk past the library and giggled a bit as the prayers increased, but were all whispered. As I strolled and listened, it became a little tiring. I put on music, but I could still hear the entreaties pouring in. As evening rolled around in different time zones, the prayers increased, mostly about finding that one book that the child wanted to read, or a prayer that they would please not want to hear Goodnight Moon for the millionth time, or the fluttering of prayers of appreciation as a child fell asleep and the book was closed. The supplicants continued to pour into my ears, and I finally just had to stop and listen. I sat for two hours, a cup of tea, warming my hands as I whispered responses, googled books that sounded interesting, and ordered new ones that seemed really good. And then, at 7.15 p.m., the prayers began to fade. One after another, they began to dissipate until they were gone. St. George must have gotten home after his spa day and started working again. The silence was startling. It was so quiet. Then a text message came in. It was my bank. They wanted to know if I'd really spent that much on books in one day. Oh, the life of a patron saint of books was expensive indeed. The second teller for this episode is Cindy Rivka Marshall, who shares multicultural and Jewish stories with universal lessons that resonate with a sense of wonder. She teaches storytelling, communication, interviewing, listening skills, and story-based approaches to teaching. This second story comes from her CD, Chala and Latkes, and is about a delicious food in the tale, The Gift of Chala. This next story takes place in the early 16th century during the time of the Spanish Inquisition. 
when Jewish people in Spain and Portugal were forced to hide their Judaism, some of these Jews fled to the Holy Land. Gift of Challah Esperanza and Jacobo had recently settled in Svat, the city of the Kabbalists, the mystics. Here, they could worship openly as Jews, not like in their homeland where they had to hide. Here, they could walk together down the street and go to the synagogue for services. Jacobo loved to hear the rabbi's teachings. Even though his native tongue was Spanish, and he didn't quite understand all of the Hebrew. One Sabbath, he heard the rabbi speak about the twelve loaves of bread that used to be brought to the Holy Temple in Jerusalem as an offering to God on the Sabbath. Now, what Jacobo did not catch was that this was an ancient custom that had been discontinued since the destruction of the Temple. He went home that evening and he said, Esperanza, what do you think? We may be poor, but this we could do. You make the best challah in the world. What a wonderful offering it would be to God. Let's give it a try. She said, Well, if you can buy enough flour and eggs, I can manage to bake the extra challah. So the following Thursday, Jacobo went to the market and he carried home the largest sack of pure white flour. And Friday morning, very early, just as the first rays of sun were lighting the night sky, Esperanza rose, and she began to stir together the flour, eggs, oil, yeast, water, a bit of sugar, and salt. With gratitude for the grain of the earth, she planted her feet firmly, and kneaded the dough with the heels of her hands. After some time, the dough rose, as if it had taken a breath of life. With great love for her people, Esperanza shaped and braided the loaves. All of the strands of her experience were woven in, her joy and her sorrow. She built a hot fire in the wood stove to bake two halot, like she usually did for her own table, and then twelve extra loaves as an offering to God. And when these, fragrant and warm, were sitting on the wooden table cooling, Jacobo carefully put the twelve loaves in a clean cloth sack. That Friday afternoon he brought them to the synagogue. He went in, and no one was around. He went right over to the place where the Torah, the Holy Scroll, was kept in the ark. He pushed aside the curtain, and he stood there before the Torah. Mi Dios, Esperanza and I worked very hard to make this offering. Just wait till you taste it. The challah is delicious. We pray that you will be pleased. Buen appetito. And with that, he placed the sack inside the ark and closed the curtain and ran home. Now shortly after, Avraham, the shamus, the synagogue attendant, arrived for his usual routine of sweeping up, 
getting the books in order for the services that night. After he finished his job sweeping up, he went over to stand before the ark and say his own petition to God. I love serving here in the synagogue, but I don't know how long I'm going to be able to keep working here. You know this job doesn't pay very well, and my family is growing. But what is that smell? What is that wonderful smell? It smells like challah. Avraham pulled aside the curtain and opened the sack. Oh, beautiful, shining challah. Still warm. My prayers have been answered. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's twelve loaves of challah. Why, that's enough for two for Friday night dinner. Two for Saturday. Why, it's enough to last the whole week. Oh! And Avraham gathered up the sack and hurried home to his family. On Saturday morning, Jacobo and Esperanza went to the synagogue and prayed and waited for the moment when they might see if their offering had been accepted. And finally, the congregation stood and the ark was opened. The challah was gone. Jacobo crept up during the part when they carried the Torah all around, and he looked inside just to make sure. Well, they were so pleased that they decided that they would do this every Friday. And so it was. Each Thursday, Jacobo would bring home a large sack of pure white flour, and each Friday morning, Esperanza would rise early with the first light, and she would knead the dough and braid it with love and care. And every Friday afternoon, Jacobo went to the synagogue and placed the sack there, inside the ark. And later that Friday, every week, Avraham would come in, sweep up, and go to find his miraculous gift there. Well, this went on for 30 years. Until one Friday, when Jacobo came to the synagogue a little bit earlier than usual, he wanted to say some extra prayers for Esperanza. Mi Dios, you may have noticed that the challah is a little lumpy lately. Esperanza has not been feeling too well. But just then, a voice spoke up behind him. What are you doing? What is it you have placed there in the ark? Oh, Rabbi, I, I didn't see you there. I was bringing our offering. Esperanza makes challah, and I bring it as an offering to God every week for the Sabbath, just like you talked about in your sermon so many years ago. You have been bringing bread here? For God? What do you think? You think that God can eat bread? You think that God has teeth? Well, Rabbi... Yes, God has been eating Esperanza's halot for 30 years. Just then, they heard Avraham coming in, and the rabbi gestured to Jacobo to hide with him and see what would happen. 
Avraham swept up as usual, getting the books in order. And then he went over and opened up the curtain of the ark and picked up the sack of bread. And just at that moment, the rabbi jumped out. Avraham, what are you doing? Well, Rabbi, I, I, I'm taking this gift that God has given me. Twelve loaves of bread each week. Avraham, do you realize that by taking this bread, you have made Hakobo here think that God can eat bread? But Rabbi, if it wasn't for this bread, my family and I would have starved. Well, just then, a messenger appeared from the Ari, the great Rabbi Isaac Luria, one of the mystics of Svat. And he said that the rabbi requested their presence before him. Realize why you have led such a long life. Because it was you who inspired Jacobo to make this offering. Since the destruction of the Holy Temple, no one has fulfilled this mitzvah with such innocent sincerity and generosity. It has brought You and Esperanza must continue to make challah and bring it to the synagogue every Friday. But instead of placing it in the ark, you can give it directly into the hands of Avraham. And Avraham, you must continue to accept this gift to feed your family so you can serve in the synagogue for the rest of your days. The source of life will be just as pleased as And so, each Friday after that, Esperanza made the extra loaves of bread, and Jacobo gathered them in a sack and gave them to Avraham. And Avraham accepted this gift to feed his family. In this spirit of generosity and harmony, the Sabbath continued to be a blessing for all. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Anne Shimajima and Cindy Rivka Marshall on the internet. 
tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. You can find me and the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor is the storyteller, True Thomas. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was a story seed from Laura Packer. You can find her lovely story and writing prompts by looking her up on social media. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors and let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. If you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast or discover sponsorship opportunities, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com. If it isn't in the cards to support the podcast right now, no worries. Perhaps you'd be willing to go write a review on iTunes, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. Head over to the website, join the mailing list for hidden goodies, and if you tune in, you'll hear more stories next week. But until then... Live happily ever after. And Mary Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.